Good afternoon, fellow gooners, and welcome to another installment of Canon Talk. I'm your morning, my course, as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Last to discuss Arsenal take on the North London rivals Tottenham. We've faced the second leg against Olympiacos, and we make our way across to the face of the Hammers. But let's discuss first the North London derby. Spurs coming in overwhelming favourites, unbeaten over the last few games. And I think, you know, Arsenal were probably going to be easy three points for Spurs. Yeah, and I mean, Arsenal already making headlines before kickoff. Um, was Arteta already dropping uh, Aubameyang from the starting lineup? And I mean, he was supposed to be, have started, but due to, uh, you know, breaking uh, team rules of coming late to, to the match day uh, squad, uh, he ends up being booted out of the team for the for the day. Like, I think he was given a spot on the bench and like I said, replaced him. What was your thoughts? You know, I know Aubameyang's been our best player for... A very long time, but I think you know, fair is fair, and and you can't you know let one player get away with breaking the rules and another be punished. So, you know, I, I think it was a good decision. A, a, an example needed to be made, and I guess you know only time would have told in the game as the game went on, game wore on whether it would have been a good decision. But um, Arsenal dropping their key man and the. Um, relatively, you know, familiar Arsenal killers, as they know, as Harry Kane, Gareth Bale and Son were all leading the line for Spurs. And I mean, they've always had fun playing against Arsenal. So was a bit nervous even before kickoff. But I mean, what I, I don't get, you know, like the, the, the media and, and, and some quarters of the Arsenal fan base, you know, we're, we're kicking up such a fuss because Aubameyang was now omitted from the squad. But I was like, on the one end, I was thinking also to myself, when last was he actually influential in a game, you know, where we now say took on Spurs? Because if you recall the last few games against Spurs, like especially the last couple, uh, he was little, like, I mean, he had little or no effect on the game. And also on the other side was, uh, I mean, you can't have, uh, I think what you and I mentioned also before, um, you know, we uh, rule is for one person and then, uh, you know, a, a, a total different set of rules are set for the rest of the squad. I mean, that's not on. So, I was fully, you know, in agreement with that decision by Arteta. Of course, everybody was now making out to be, um, you know, it's his sword to fall on and that, if you know, for making that, that that decision. And then, I mean, you also saw some fans putting up pictures of Aubameyang in, in, in London traffic. But, I mean, you know, for, like, look, in, in your field also of work, if you ever said that your, your job says you start at that time, if you know you're going to be caught up in, 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 you know, peak hour traffic or something like that, you're going to then pitch up to work a bit early on. Yeah, you're gonna make arrangements to get to the to the to your workplace much earlier. Like you said, I mean, Aubameyang hasn't been living in London for two months. Yeah. I mean, he's been at Arsenal since 2018. I mean, heading on for almost three years at the club. Yeah. So yeah, no excuse. And you know, what you said about um, Aubameyang being influential in the North London derbies. I think you know, even his penalty miss against um, Spurs at Wembley, had he scored that, you know, maybe we would have been playing Champions League football because I think we missed out on top four by one point. But yeah, let's not be too controversial and too hard on him. Um, yeah, but I think Arsenal, you know, the, they started off very well and you, know, you wouldn't have even said Aubameyang was missing. Yeah. Yeah, and Odegaard then gets the ball underway, the game underway, and then within, I think, two minutes, Tierney already skills Doherty, which were like, you know, for pace. And I mean, well, that was almost like going to be the afternoon trend with this game. Tierney then slings the ball into the box, but again, no players alert enough. Because, I mean, first, warning shots fired by the Gunners, but I also think this is the type of thing that you and I were mentioning in the last few podcasts also of, 
we need to start getting also like a target man forward as a you know almost like as a backup or as a plan B in the team because we really don't have that because even though yes like I said it was now you know going to be the, the main uh, forward line leading the line on the on the north uh, this uh, big match there we don't have that guy that's going to anticipate and think okay I'm gonna have to get myself and you know the defender I have to get myself you know in and around the the penalty area or the the yeah. box somewhere like we just just don't know that so every time you see balls getting fired across and nobody's really making much of it so I, I think that is an aspect that I would really like us to change in the summer uh, you know when it comes uh, to transfer window yeah you definitely needed to rule like a type of striker that you know he's going to just throw his body or kind of like you said be a yard quicker or you know you normally see strikers pointing to where the the way they want the ball and you know they get there but it was like Ian Wright as well, even as small as he was, he was always right place, right time in that box. I mean, he was the fox in the box, as they call it. But, you know, Doherty was always someone that got under Arsenal's skin when he played for Wolves. So it was good to see that we kind of had a, a plan for him. And it seemed like Smith Rowe and Kieran Tierney were constantly getting around and behind him. Yeah. Arsenal, of course, dominating the first 10 minutes of the game. Spurs were not kind of waking up after that, that little bracket. Uh, they, of course, now start having a, uh, you know, a right go at us. And, but, I mean, Arsenal, of course, in that time as well, you know, starting to pepper the Spurs box. But, again, what I mentioned before, no real end product because nobody's really anticipating all those balls, balls getting flung into the box. Um, then, 16th minute, first big, big chance. Arsenal, the through luck as it plays, lays a ball off to Smith Rowe. And, I mean, the Englishman ends up hitting a 20-yarder, like a real curler. It beats Lloris, but ends up clipping the crossbar and bouncing off the safety. Uh, it doesn't put on lucky. It just shows that the, the, the pull, you know, I think when it was happening against Arsenal, probably would have gone in off the post. But, you know, it being for Arsenal, just clatters off the post. And I think warning balls have went off for Spurs. Then, 18th minute, uh, Son and, and Gabriel end up in a sprint race. I think David Luiz was with. But, I mean, you just end up seeing... Some kind of pull up, and then I mean, he immediately goes to sit on the pitch. And then I mean, you could see he tweaked something in his hands, and so I mean, that was going to be a real big, big factor for Spurs to lose a guy like that. Yes, definitely. Especially, he's been having a lot of joy when he played against Arsenal. So, you know, not that you're going to wish an injury on a person, but it was, you know, a big moment in the game as well. Exactly. Yeah, because I mean, look, it's a sort of you know, they, like Kane and, and Son almost like a formidable force when they put together. And I mean, when just one of them are taken out of the, of the you know, like firing line, like when Kane um, uh, teases, what was it, his ankles at the time when he twisted yeah. his ankles, that was also, you could see Son was like always looking for that, almost like that target man. And now with that substitution being made that early, Lamella then coming on for him. But I mean, you already saw Arsenal could kind of swell blood in this game. Yes, no, definitely. I think Gareth Bale. He's kind of, I wouldn't say weaker, but like it's almost like it has a domino effect because now almost Bale has to pull more weight as well because, I mean, he's been playing well, but it's also due to the likes of Kane and Son doing well, which made him shine. So I think Arsenal also took advantage of, of, of Bale not you know, tracking back. And like you said, smart blood with Lamela coming on. Yeah. So 23rd minutes with Rowan calls through the Spurs defence again. Lays of a nice ball for Thomas Party and then and again Thomas Party <laughs> becoming like the old school John Jensen because I mean he ends up just skying the ball. I think <laughs> I, I do think um Party should possibly stay off the training for about the hours. So just working on the rolling balls coming at him because 
like you said, he finds himself in glorious situations, but yeah. you know, ends up eating the crowd, the non-existent crowd in Rose Z. Yeah. Then 25th minute, the terrible twins with Rowe and Tierney again doubling up on Doherty, causing all sorts of problems. You know, as Bale does nothing and almost like just leaves <laughs> Doherty out, you know, to be just <laughs> out from each and every angle because I think they had a pop-up at one point as the game wore on in the first half um, of that average positions by the Arsenal players and they showed Smith Rowe and, and you know, the, the little figurine that's supposed to show or the dot that's supposed, supposed to show Smith Rowe and Tierney. It was actually blended together around top. <laughs> I was telling you just how they were smothering him because, I mean, at times you could say, look, we have that rivalry with him. We have that kind of hatred towards him because of the, the, the you know, the, the neighbours and all that. But I mean, you could see, like, Bale was leaving out there, you know, to be torn apart. And he was not getting involved at all to track back to help him or even to try, try to double up. Because at times, Kim Tierney didn't even need Smith Rowe to, you know, to play a one-two pass. He was just speeding past him constantly. <laughs> and then every time when the, when the camera pans out, you should, you should see Gareth Bale jogging along. I was like, <laughs> Yeah, Gareth Bale's even the same hard-working guy we saw um, before he left to Real Madrid. I don't know what's happened to him. I mean, still quality player, but as you said, he was left extremely isolated. Doherty was extremely isolated. And it's, it's nice to see actually Smith Rowe and Tierney linking up, you know, as an alternative on that left-hand side. Yeah, because I mean, if you think oh, we were kind of getting frustrated of um, Arteta now sticking Smith out wide, but I mean, yes, he looks like he's growing into that position now. He, he, I mean, look, we all know he can play between the lines, he does the most damage like that. But I mean, this brought almost like a whole new dimension to his style of play, which I, I really think is, is good because it makes him also more versatile. Same way we saw in, in Saka in the last few years, also. Yes, and we look at Phil Foden as well. I mean, his position is kind of you know that play between the lines, but Pip stuck him many times out wide and you see the job he does I mean he's he doesn't have like blistering pace but just that trickery on the ball and that one two is it, it carves him open and I think you know, Smith Rowe really just showed that um, you know what the future could be like you know even if without a bombing not that we wouldn't miss him but you know if if, if yeah. things happen unfold you know unfortunate ways then Arsenal do have other alternatives then 33rd minute, you know, out of the blue, Spurs end up catching us cold when a, a ball's not really dealt with coming in from the right. Um, you know, we kind of more ball watch. The ball gets played back in by Mora, and then out of the blue, Lamela ends up doing a Rabona and it catches, I think, Thomas Party with, like, you know, that makes him with open legs. And I mean, David Lewis ends all he can do is just watch the ball, and, and Lamela plays it so perfectly. I mean, Leno didn't even have time to cover the ground. One old Tottenham. That's one of those goals you can't, you know, dispute really. I mean, you're never going to really see finishes like that. And I think it's typical Arsenal luck for Son to get injured and Lamela to come on to replace Son and score the opponent like that. So, you know, sometimes you have to take those on the chin. But, you know, Arsenal probably, you know, before that, the end of that woeful run in the Premier League without winning a game probably would have capitulated. But, you know... Just kept, they didn't really let this phase him and they kept on pushing hard at um, Spurs. Yeah. So, I mean, immediately from the restart, Arsenal, you know, back on the attack. I mean, it actually made me feel confident just watching, you know, when you saw that, that as you know, mentioned, you actually see this time a bit of fight or fight in their belly now because they were, you know, really having a pop at, 
at Tottenham. And then 37 minutes with row ends up sprinting again past Doherty. Cuts the ball back to Laka. I mean, who of course just misses the ball completely. I don't know. I mean, what he was trying, what was his mindset? But out of the blue, Cedric comes through from right back and just lets fly with a 25 yarder. I mean, it ends up leaving. Loris rooted to the spot and the ball ends up smacking the post and bouncing out again. So close to Arsenal. Yeah, it just seemed like, you know, it was probably one of those um, um, panic moments where you're thinking, you know, is this not going to be our day because whatever we're trying is not playing, paying off. And Spurs, you know, for being such kind of, you know, they didn't even come out and attack us. They weren't closing us down. They just kind of, you know, got lucky with that goal and Arsenal just couldn't find the back of the net. You started wondering, is it going to be one of those days again? In the 44th minute, TNE ends up beating Doherty and then whips in a first-time cross. Odegaard, then, you know, manages to get the foot to ball and then, but of course, he doesn't strike the ball clean. He kind of scuffs the ball. But with it, you know, power that's already going all over, the ball ends up flicking the heel of Alderweireld and just pushes the ball further past Loris. 1-1, game on. Yeah, well, I think at uh, uh, 1-1, Arsenal, Tottenham were lucky to actually go into the break 1-1. But, you know, top goal for Arsenal. Odegaard, you know, we, we, we had, a, he has a, had a very divided opinion, but I think slowly but surely, I mean, Arsenal fans are probably you know, starting to really grow on the player. Yeah, because I mean, it really showed also his tenacity to get himself into that scoring position, because I think we normally either having people floating around the box, but they're not really going in and causing, you know, causing damage like that. And I mean, he... Kind of call, caught the whole, like he caught the likes of Hoiberg and then napping because Hoiberg, that's normally one of his main jobs to, you know, wipe out any sort of danger that's coming in from, like, you know, you know, out of the box with a double up, like that, as a, almost like an extra protection for the, the defense. But I mean, he ends up stealing and nabs the goal. So, I mean, we go into the half time 1 1. Yeah, I think, like I said, Spurs were lucky to go in 1 1. And I think there's a very generous score line to say the least. And it's not often we say that. Um, but I think you know Tottenham came out the second half much stronger, and 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 and, and, and even though the, there wasn't much you know to compare to in the first half, since they were really I don't know didn't expect it to come out the way they did in the first half. But in the second half, they looked a bit more dangerous coming out. I mean, I didn't expect um, Saka to be you know substituted that often because he didn't really show that much. Uh, I mean, look, he was clattered a few times in the game in that first half. I, I, I really thought he would like, kind of run it off, but I think uh, Arteta said in later on that there was something to do with Sam. So he felt like tightness there, so they thought, you know, they'd rather to be safe, just take him off. Yeah, it's better that way. You know, we, we don't want to display that necessarily and they out for a long amount of time. Yeah, so the end of the sixth minute, like it gets a shot off, but I mean, it was kind of tame, but I mean, at least worked uh, Laurie somewhat. The end of the uh, uh, minute, um, a perfect ball by Pepe that sends uh, Lacazette in a clean as he's about to pull the trigger. But I mean, I think it, was, it looked more like he was about to shank the ball. <laughs> it's up getting clattered somehow and I mean, he goes down. Uh, Michael Oliver, the ref, gives an immediate penalty and I mean, now my, my, my stomach is crapping, my heart is beating faster because now it comes to the, you know, VAR to make a kind of final decision. Oh, yes. And, and the commentator was also like, you know, ah, oh, this is very soft. You know, this shouldn't be a penalty. I wouldn't be surprised if it's overturned. And I'm thinking, oh, no, here we go again. 
Yeah, but I mean, look, when once VAR confirmed that it was a penalty, I mean, a breather kind of sigh of relief. You know, of course, penalties still had to be taken. But, I mean, just back to the penalty or the incident to it. I, I recall a few games this season. I've seen matches now, uh, like whether it was Premier League and I think also once in, in could even be Bundesliga, where the guy ends up shooting the ball. Like, he gets the shot off. But since the defender comes about, you know, about um, one or, like a, like a, almost like a two, one or two second uh, gap comes and just clatters the guy out, even though the, the shot was fired off. And the ref gave a penalty, even once it was checked with VAR and et cetera, et cetera. But once it late, almost like a late tackle was given, it was a, a, like, like a stone wall penalty. Because if you take that incident, like, I mean, that aside now, the penalty incident, if you put that moment anywhere on that pitch in the middle of the pitch, if something if that happens, what is going to happen? No, definitely. It's going to still be given as a foul. So, yeah, I mean, I was fully in agreement. And I mean, like I said, set up. I mean, I, there was like a four split second. I was feeling a bit nervous because, like, you, you normally think of, of uh, you know, national team uh, or national teammates. But I mean, and Leon, I think they were possibly teammates as well. Yeah. And I mean, it's been also a while since like, I hasn't even played for France. So I thought afterwards, you know, it was a kind of went out my head. And I thought, look, Normally, when, when our players are in the shootout, we normally on the money with us. And I mean, once, like I said, stepped up and said, uh, Lloris the wrong way. And I mean, it was inch perfect penalty. We, we always talk about it's the perfect spot to place your penalty. So, 2 1 Arsenal. Yeah, I was, uh, um, I think, very happy. He, he took it quite convincingly. And just a side note, I think even in FIFA's as well, you know, when you make a late tackle in the box, it's happened to me a few times yeah. um, that it gives a penalty. So, you know, I think it was the right decision at the end of the day. But yeah, happy for Arsenal to make it 2-1. And like I said, deputising for the um, uh, ill-disciplined Aubameyang. Yeah. So, 68 minutes, Arsenal are picking Spurs even further now in their own half. And you can see it's almost like, oh, we were trying to almost like smother them now with, with position football. And not only that, attacking, because I was actually thinking, okay, we could not even squeeze in another because... 11 v 11, we are really, you know, all over them like a rash. But then 76 minutes, already booked. Lamela ends up flinging her arm out at uh, Kieran Tierney, ends up clipping him on the uh, Tierney on the chin, who eats the deck, of course. And I mean, but the ref had no other option but to send him off. So Spurs down to 10. Yeah, definitely our future captain Kieran Tierney. I don't know if you saw that uh, video clip of him when he was shouting at, at, at um, the Arsenal. Players like how many chances do we do we want before we want to actually score? Like yeah. it was quite quite cool actually seeing this guy reprimanding the other players in the team. So for me, definitely the future captain of the club as well, and you know getting Lamela sent off as well. So seventy-seven minutes, we didn't end up coming out for Smith Rowe because I think Smith Rowe's legs were also gone. But you know with that, it also this is where. I think where the real sticky point comes with regards to William, because he came on and I mean, we're thinking, you know, he's going to be more assured on that. And all of a sudden, Spurs are overrunning us. I'm not, look, I'm not saying he was the only one, because for me, that going to that last uh, 10, 12 minutes of the game, William was getting himself in, caught up in, in all sorts of problems with either high up the pitch and not having the legs to track back. And then you also had um, Thomas Party, it was just randomly fouling and giving... You know, it was like needless free, free kicks away. And, and I think at, there was points also where, where Gabriel also got to my nerves somewhat because he was again giving corners away. Yes. Where he could have now taken... Because it was almost like the minute 
Lamella exited the pitch. We had like still that that free kick of Tierney, and that boy immediately gets play, played out into touch. And I was thinking, what is going on? I mean, you, you dominate the game for close to 75, 76 minutes, and all of a sudden through one man being like you know sent off by Tottenham, almost like the whole game plan has gone out of the window. Yeah, it's like, like Tottenham had almost the, or the better team when, when once the, the sending of happened. I don't know, it's quite strange. But like you said, that, that party spot, we passed it out, you know, to the corner. And Arteta just looked bewildered, actually. He was actually pissed off that they did something like that. I mean, they gave Tottenham, you know, too many chances of the chance. And I think, you know, we were lucky as well that Harry Kane... Uh, free kick that came crashing off the post and Gabriel was there to clear the ball off the line. I mean, you know, Arsenal, like you said, need to be more ruthless and kill the game off, take it for the jugular. And I mean, even before that, there was even the moment that what was the 83rd minute where Harry Kane ends up just getting to a head of himself. He ends up nodding the ball past Leno. But I mean, we were luckily saved by the official's flag for the offside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we just need to be a bit more ruthless and a bit more deadly up front. I think we're missing, we're kind of missing that killer instinct at the moment up front. I mean, we, we're doing, I think, everything well. But, I mean, if you look at the league table at the moment, you know, we, games against Wolves and games against um, Burnley, that could have been additional four points or something like that. Yeah, it's like we just don't have that. So, I mean, I think even... Uh, at full time, also, it was, I think, Arteta and him were, were talking about how he does not understand how we cannot see the, you know, the game. Because in, there's a Facebook group I'm in and, and we're talking about, the, you know, the, the, the game. And I thought somebody was trying to blame, like, Arteta for that. So I said, look, you can't always blame the coach because that is when you need to, your players, the leaders on that pitch, to stand up and almost like take responsibility and start judging themselves what they should do, what they should not do. But it's yeah. like everything is like, yeah, we do a bit of play and then we're looking at down on the touchline to see if there's any more orders. <laughs> they must not think it by themselves because that makes a fantastic team. Because, I mean, what, what also frustrates me sometimes is when you see David Luiz and Gabriel in them um, almost like half pointing that, that somebody was moving to that space. And that shouldn't be happening because to have a, almost like a successful team, you have that fluidity where everybody knows, you know, when, when you're interchanging and stuff like that, that should be the, the sort of gameplay. Not. You know, almost like you're showing your opponent the way you want your the other, the other guy of the team to be. So I think there should be less, you know, gesturing, pointing, and more that almost like telepathic new movement on the pitch also. Yeah, I just hope that, you know, we can get that right. Because, I mean, that's just missing in our game that little bit. Yeah, I mean, you should have. You know, we, it's going to come to a point where we, get a, this, we can't always ride our luck. Because there's also games where we are riding our luck also with, um, you know, not seeing games out, right? Because yeah. I still stick to my, my guns where, you know, see the damn team off in the first 20, 25 minutes. Because, I mean, for me, it's just, we're just not ruthless enough and that is almost like the biggest Achilles heel for this team. Yes, no, that is the ruthlessness has come to bite us many times and yeah. it, it, it definitely has thrown points out the window by not being ruthless enough. Yeah, so now we switch our attention to the Europa League fixture of last night. Arsenal versus Olympiacos. We go into the game with a 3-1 aggregate lead. Um, Aubameyang, of course, returned after this whole drama, which, I, I mean, I was, as I said, so thrown out of proportion because yeah. I wanted, you know, when I was listening to the Ateta conference before the match conference, before the game, I want to now hear, like, you know, what's the plans going to be, you know, roughly, or 
what's going to be almost like the, the sort of players available. And said, then, I don't know how many times every every one of those journalists was circling back to the Aubameyang thing. And they said, Jesus Christ, give it the rest and move on now. Yeah, I think it's like they're just wanting drama and the kind of time to cause havoc with players or, or, or cause more unhappiness in the so-called Arsenal camp or start something that's not there. But, you know, it is very, you know, wise how he handles these, the media. So the game kicks off. Arsenal, you know, already start on the front foot, knowing that, you know. But I mean, what actually surprised me? I thought the uh, Olympi- Olympiacos squad was actually going to attack more like in, in the you know first quarter or first twenty minutes. But they actually, you know, they really said deep. We start taking the game to them, and I mean, Smith Rowe ends up having a pop at goal, clipping um, Socrates. But I mean, the ball, of course, cannoning off Socrates, Socrates' leg and smashing him foot in the face. And I think he ends up landing or some such Jesus uh, ankle, so both of them were laying in distress there for a few minutes. But you know, back the game went again, and then seventeenth minute, Sebios then sends Pepe free down the right flank. Oh Jose, yeah. Jose Zah ends up. I don't know. He comes like he seems out caught in no man's land in the in the Olympiacos goal. And I mean, uh, Pepe manages to worm himself past the keeper, so it's like just. I think one player between him and the goal, but since he kind of almost like overbalanced himself, he was almost like falling backwards and he was still trying to get a shot at the top of the ball instead of just hitting the side netting. Yeah, I thought that was going to be the charge to you, but that basically ended the day, I think. You know, and unless for biting, you know, a complete collapse, I think that moment would have ended the day, but that still kind of kept um, them in the game. But I think... Uh, as the game or one, I think the Arsenal players for me were somewhat really disappointing. You know, this was a chance for them to kind of, you know, put their hand up and show. But it's like Arsenal's performance is like wasn't, you know, it seems like that they, it's almost like they played with the handbrake on. Sorry to be the banger pun, but there was something we, we never, you know, had no desire to almost get there first or be like, you know, to just end the tie. Like you said, yeah. that ruthlessness is just messing in the game because we dally dallied all the time. Because, I mean, for me, for once, I can actually say, when you saw what, say, Ballerin was doing on the right side, coming back into the squad again, he, you, can, you can see why we, almost like we, or we were missing Cedric, because yes. Cedric making, you know, kind of misjudgments in, in the runs or the passing and that. And then, of course, Sebeos was, you know, for me at times, he was catastrophic with some of his distribution, either hanging too long on the ball. And I, I think what was infuriating me is, like, the guys were making those sort of runs to get in the box. But every time he does his little drag backs so or turns on the ball, the other guy, our players end up running themselves offside, you know, since we couldn't wait that, because we wanted almost like in the flow, the yeah. part. But he ends up just hanging on the ball too long. And, you know, it was really frustrating just watching him play. And, and of course, uh, you know, the, the captain on the night, he, for me, Aubameyang again, toothless as a whole. I mean, yes. as we get through this game, we now work through. But, I mean, he was, I mean... He had a bad miss in the 24th minute, and I mean, even leading up to that, also a big warning call for Arsenal because Jose Zah ends up taking a goal kick from the like from their goal, of course. It goes right across the halfway line. Nobody's really attacking the ball or, or almost like adjusting themselves to the, you know, or anticipating the, the route one ball. The ball yeah. ends up going straight to Al Arabi, and I mean, he ends up racing through past Gabriel and David Luiz. And, I mean, he ends up having a pop-up goal, but, I mean, Leno stands up tall and, I mean, ends up deflecting the ball over a corner. So, close call, Arsenal. It was. I mean, to get caught like that, that is, you know, you know, they say caught on your heels. That's a, 
a perfect example of being caught on your heels. That's like typical old school football. That you know, just booting on the keeper and you were racing on to score. And I mean, we were totally asleep to that because surely we could have also picked up that you know one of one of the two should have been dropping deeper. Because what did they offside from a goal kick? Did he not think the defenders really caught from a goal kick on offside? I think you know that's that, that's a perfect example. You know, Arsenal were switching off, and I think. You know, kudos to the defense as well because, you know, on another day they could have easily clipped out of it and it would have been, you know, a red card and possibly penalty or something like that. And, you know, you wandled down to the Emirates with the man down. So, top save, Leno. And I think just, you know, even though the, the shoddy defending led to the, you know, that moment, it was also good that Arsenal never decided to bring al down. Yeah. So, just before halftime... Uh, Smith Rowe is finding a shot, but I mean, it just barely stings the palms of Saar. But I mean, we're going to the halftime break 0 0, so that you know, the game, game's still in a kind of knife edge. Yeah, I, I was pretty surprised that I thought Arsenal would have put the game to bed already, but like you said, Olympiacos are also almost like you know, a, a boxer, just kind of just throwing down to throw a jab here, a jab there. But they also work trying to kind of keep discipline so that they don't, you know. Uh, like an old-fashioned Arsenal side back in the day that when they needed to overturn a deficit would end up going gung-ho and getting, you know, conceding two goals in the first few minutes and, you know, tie over. So I think it's a very tactical plan from Olympiacos and I think Arteta just kind of tried to nullify them just because I think he was happy with the 3-1 and I don't think he felt that we needed more goals. Yeah. So, I mean, the second half starts, I mean, uh, Olympiacos already come out full flow you know, really taking the game to us because I think they were now starting to build a bit of confidence as well. Besides the fact that we're also not, they needed to get the goals that you know that they still needed for the tie, so they were now coming out full force at us. We were seemingly buckling already because for him, yeah. see, even from corners they were already out jumping us, out fighting us, and I think Oliver's just ended up glancing a header wide, and it was almost like a free header that he was allowed. Yeah, it was. It was. Quite shocking, actually, and, and and you know, as you as you th- fe- start fearing the worst. I mean, I started. I don't know how you felt, but I started going back to to um, last year's game against Olympiacos, where you know we, we had the bit, we had the chances, we had the, the advantage, but because of kind of lackluster defending, we ended up you know throwing, getting knocked out. So was was hoping that Arsenal would wake up at some point before. Olympia could actually score and make it 1-0 because then they smell blood if that happens. Yeah, but I mean, the end of that dreaded moment that came, I think, about a minute later because <laughs> Sebias ends up going on this sort of amazing run through the box. And then, I mean, I don't know, there wasn't that much pressure on him. He ends up slipping and he slips and he loses position. And immediately, the minute he slips and he's a dick, he gets dispossessed. And I mean, you just see this green or whatever blue the awake it was of Olympia because they're just going this blue wave and they're heading forward to our goal. And, I mean, we, of course, struggling because Granit Xhaka is already running sand. <laughs> it's up to him. And, I mean, Sebeo says also no speed to track back. And, I mean, by the time they were in, us in full flow, uh, El Arabi is freed up by one of the like, killer pass from midfield. He ends up getting to the box. We taking too long to, you know, close down. And, I mean, by the time he lets off a shot... It flicks off, I think, the, either the backside or shoulder of um, Gabriel and wrong foot Leno. 1-0 Olympiacos. 
and three. Oh, no, I mean, it just seems to score past Arsenal all the time. I think if he was in 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 our league, I think we would have tried to sign him like some of the big clubs do, where they sign players who consistently score past them. But yeah, I think that was very sloppy. Um, play from Arsenal and you allowed Olympiak goes back into the game and started um, kind of making life difficult for yourself. But, you know, kudos to Arteta for immediately kind of being on Odegaard and party when his side conceded and not waiting, you know, too much longer before um, kind of Olympiak get their foothold in the game. Then 59th minute, Emil Smith-Rowe unknowingly blocks a, a, a Pepe volley and I mean, you can see that ball was already careering in because by the time Sars already hitting the deck, that ball was already flying into the like, almost like top corner of the net. And I mean, just Smith Rose back ends up deflecting the ball over the bar. Yeah, it, it, it seemed like it was going to be one of those moments at Arsenal where you uh, end up, you know, throwing a, a, a game away by missed chances and, you know, dilly dallying and I'm not. Um, like you said, having that ruthlessness. Yeah. So, the 82nd minute, Arsenal then make the next batch of substitutions. Martinelli comes on for Smith Rowe, and uh, Callum Chambers comes on for Bellerin. And I mean, both players that were uh, being subbed also looked, you know, very pissed off because I don't think they really wanted to come off at that very point. Yeah. But I mean, you could see fresh legs were needed because they were actually offering nothing from then on. Then, about half a minute later, Osenut Bar, this main center back of, of Olympiakos, gets two yellows in quick succession, one for a late foul and the next for throwing the ball at the ref or punching the ball at the ref. So he gets his marching orders. So now, you know, the, we're getting heading into the last three minutes of the game. Martinelli ends up leaving, leaving Olympiakos right back in his way. He ends up cutting the ball back to Aubameyang. And I mean, I don't know how the hell Aubameyang does, but he ends up fluffing first the, the shot, which he tries to lift over. And then he tries an acrobatic kick, which ends up going to probably like, in the Emirates. So, you know, I don't know what is going on with that guy's mindset, to be honest. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know if that happened before or after the other one-on-one as well that he missed, where he, he was, you know, straight through on goal. And then, I don't know, he also tries a little cheeky chip that goes past the post. Yeah. It's like, I mean, so... it's like, <laughs> well, you on, but I mean, you see somebody not really putting an effort in, like a real effort in. Because I mean, I'm sure if, if you do that, like if, if say someone like Martinelli or somebody or Lacazette makes an F up like that, I mean, they're going to get the bench probably immediately the next game. No, so exactly. I, and it's kind of caused a, caused a debate as well at home between myself and my girlfriend because I'm kind of trying to, you know, stick up for Bamiang all the time and try to say, no, but, you know, he's been carrying us and he's just not in a bad, good space at the moment. But, you know, it's very difficult at the moment now to actually cover up for Bamiang anymore because... You know, like you said, it's double standards at times. I mean, like I said, it's been... I remember he just got dropped into the squad. I don't know what the bar, um, like I said, needs to do to play in big games anymore. Yeah. So, you know, it's a loss on the night, but 3-2 win on aggregate. Um, Arsenal now, of course, go into the quarterfinals. We will face uh, Slavia Prague, who already put out Rangers and Leicester City in the previous two rounds. Oh, you know, Arsenal versus Slavia Prague, probably a few years back, I would have, you know, rubbed my hands and, you know, really started booking. If I had to go watch the, the, the semi-final, I would have started booking uh, a flight to the Emirates already or or to, to the Al Madrigal in Spain, if that's still the Villarreal Stadium or possibly we could get them. 
but I think it's going to be a very tricky affair. I mean, we get the home leg at first, but, you know, not to go too much. We'll probably discuss the game close to the time, but home leg first. I think, I don't know if that suits Arsenal or not, because you know, we haven't been, been the best of at home. We've been very, like, you know, it's conceding a lot. And so I just hope we can, we can yeah, get the better of them. Yeah, because I actually would like the result to be done on the first, in the first league. I agree. When you see uh, how they put their plan out against Leicester City, where they shut them down completely in the first league, and then they, when the second league came around in Prague, they ended up, ended up seeing off Leicester with no, like, you know, barely breaking a sweat. So, I mean, caution to the wind, I think, with this team, because I've been, I think, I don't think we should take any of these teams unlikely in this next year. Um, no, definitely not. And I think, you know, Speaking of the next game coming up against the Hammers, I think yeah. it's going to be quite a tricky affair. I mean, West Ham is is flying out so high that their noses are bleeding at the moment because, I mean, I don't think we've seen West Ham so late on in the season so high up. And, I mean, they're playing really good football. They are fourth versus tenth. And, I mean, they are in a, in a state now where... I mean, there's even talk now about how these uh, sort of plans for the new season where... Even Champions League talk is now getting into play now. Because since so there's it's almost like the inconsistency of Liverpool, Spurs, um, Chelsea at times. I'm not look Chelsea are still unbeaten under Tuchel, but there's also games where they are dropping every time they're two points, two points. So that's all adding up and that is why all of a sudden people are looking seriously at West Ham. Because uh, look, they've had as you see now amazing season. David Moyes is now showing, you know, what was always lacking you know, with, when he was at, uh, Ever, uh, at Everton or at Man United and that way, you know, people kind of laughed at him in that reign there at United. But, I mean, he's now bringing a whole different approach. I mean, they are not uh, a boring side. They're quite entertaining to watch. And, I mean, look, Thomas Suchik has been like a real a, a phenom for them because him and Mikel Antonio already eight and seven goals respectively. And, I mean, everybody's also chipping in elsewhere. So, I mean, they, they can't score from anywhere. And I mean, look, Arsenal's last three games versus West Ham, we unbeaten. I mean, a good record against them. And I mean, West Ham now, in, in their last six home games, they're scoring every one of them. So, I mean, you know, again, caution to the win there. So, let me just see what type of team Ateta plays, you know. Do we, because it's an international break, do we kind of, you know, play the, play everybody that we can that comes in the starting 11, that like, you know, the, the best 11 or... Is there going to be a bit of a rotation policy, you know, with, with the, the ice international break coming and then, you know, soon after Liverpool and and um, the Europa League time? I think anybody with niggles, like you saw with, with, with Saka and, and um, who else was also a, a bit of a niggle, did you actually have an excuse not to let him play for, for the national team? Because I think it's almost like just the right time we, you know, Saka is now that, that almost like, I would say it's a, a tear or pull. But I mean, he had probably a two-week in his hamstring, and I think now that that almost like two-week break should be over enough time for him to almost like rest himself up. Because look, he's also had a hell of a lot of games under the belt. But that's so easy. He's been included in the England squad for for their World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, but I mean, I just hope it's uh, you know, if it could be you, even if he's an unused sub, the sub, I would take that as well. But I just hope the Arsenal, uh, you know, medical staff can say look. He's already in the red zone, especially if he just sits out this two weeks. Because for me, it's almost like England is almost like when I see these national teams, it's almost like they, they 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 use your vehicle and then they just give it to you in whatever, <laughs> you know, you're broken or this or that. This has got wrong with it. 
But we must be careful of Jesse Lingard, definitely for West Ham, because, I mean, he's also been given the England call-up, and I think he has a lot of joy when he comes against Arsenal. So let's hope we don't see one of those dances again that uh, we've accustomed to see as as Arsenal fans whenever we come against Jay Lings. Uh, um, I think, yeah, West Ham, you know, like you said, 48 points in fifth place. Arsenal, 10th, points, 40, 10th place, 41 points. I think... You know, a win against West, I mean, West Ham, and, and, and you know, you, you're looking over the shoulder of, of you know, Everton and Liverpool and even Spurs. I mean, I'm not yep. saying we're going to chase for top four, but, you know, three points here kind of just pushes you further up the table asking questions. Yeah. So, Aiden, before we end off the podcast, you, you want to just discuss how we're going to run it with the podcasting times in the coming weeks with Easter coming up? Okay, perfect. So... Next weekend is obviously the international break, but we'll still be holding the podcast. Um, we'll be discussing the West Ham game and previewing the Liverpool game and possibly the Europa League tie because um, the Easter weekend I'll be away going to the Kruger National Park. So, yeah, I will be unavailable to do the podcast then. So nothing has changed. We won't miss any game. We'll just previewing the Liverpool game a bit earlier than we would have. Okay, so I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend, guys. Stay safe. Enjoy the games. Bye. Cheers, guys. I hope we get the three points once again.